Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we are back in the days of Noah by Martin Dahan. And we're going to be covering episode 23, Three Pictures of Christ. Let's get to it. The Ark of Noah, in which he and his family were saved from drowning in the flood, was only one of three arks described in the scriptures. There are two more. The Ark of Bulrushes, in which the baby Moses escaped drowning in the River Nile, and the Ark of the Covenant, which rested beneath the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. The first ark was builded by a man, Noah. The second ark was constructed of bulrushes by a woman, Jacobed. And the third ark was made of wood overlaid with gold according to the minutest specifications laid down by the Lord God to Moses. There are two words in the Hebrew translated ark, both of them meaning a box or chest for safekeeping. The Hebrew word translated ark in Genesis 6, Noah's ark, and in Exodus 2, Moses' ark is teba and means a chest or place of safekeeping for valuables. The word for the ark of the covenant in the tabernacle is Aaron and also means a chest or box. But the same word is translated into one place as coffin or the receptacle for a dead body. While our interest in this series of messages is particularly in the Ark of Noah, we must briefly touch upon the other two, the Ark of Moses and the Ark of the Testimony. The three arks have so much in common that we cannot pass by without mentioning some of the identical features of all. The following facts were true of each ark. It was a symbol of judgment, it spoke of death, and it was a place of perfect safety. Now, it does seem that these are contradictory statements. How could these arcs be both symbols of judgment and death and at the same time places of perfect safety in life? Here is the answer. Noah's ark spoke of the judgment of God in a mighty flood which destroyed all but eight people. All outside were under sentence of death. All inside were perfectly safe. Moses' ark teaches the same lesson. All the male babies of the Israelites in Egypt were under sentence of death by drowning, and only little Moses was safe. In the Ark of the Covenant that rested in the tabernacle was the broken law of God, which condemned the Israelite to death. But God provided a mercy seat sprinkled with blood as a shelter from the judgment of God. From these brief remarks, we recognize that all these arks were types or shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Ark of Noah protected Noah from the wrath of God. The Ark of Moses protected him from the attack of Satan. And the Ark of the Covenant protected the Israelite from the condemnation of the law. The cunning little Ark of Bulrushes, sealed with slime and pitch to make it watertight, is a beautiful symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Moses is a picture of the believer securing Christ. The word slime in the original means a tar, a mineral form of pitch. The little boat was made of bulrushes, a common, porous, air-filled reed which floats in the water. The little ark itself was therefore unsinkable and perfectly sealed. Surely one sees here the wise provision of God ensuring perfect safety and security in Christ. When we come to the Ark of the Covenant, described in Exodus 25 and 37, we have an elaboration of the Ark of Moses. It was an oblong box or chest about four feet long, about two and one-half feet wide, and about two and one-half feet high. It was made of wood, speaking of Christ's humanity, a root out of the dry ground, and it was covered with gold, 
speaking of Christ's deity. What a perfect picture of the incarnate Christ, perfect God and perfect man. Within this ark was a symbol of death, judgment, and the wrath of God. Israel had broken the perfect law of God. This broken law demanded the death of a sinner. For the soul that sinneth shall die, and the wages of sin is death. Like the ark of Noah and the ark of Moses, this ark also speaks of judgment. But God made a provision for the sinner. Over and above this broken law, God ordered a mercy seat, a lid or cover of gold, Exodus 25. Without this cover, this ark was an awful place of death and judgment, condemning the sinner and consigning him to eternal banishment from the presence of God. But the mercy seat, the cover of the ark, changed all of this. The high priest once a year took blood from the altar and sprinkled it above the mercy seat over the broken law. When God came down in the Shekinah cloud into the Holy of Holies, he saw not the broken law, but the atoning blood, and the believer is therefore sheltered from the penalty of the law and becomes the recipient of the grace of God. God himself had promised, When I see the blood, I will pass over you, Exodus twelve thirteen. All this, of course, points to our Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for our sins and made reconciliation. Of this, Hebrews says of Christ, By his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, Hebrews 9.12. Before taking up the main subject of this series, the Ark of Noah, we must briefly mention the other two things which reposed in the Ark of the Tabernacle. Besides the broken law, the Ark also contained the rod of Aaron, which budded, Numbers 17.8, and a golden pot of manna, the food of Israel in the wilderness, Exodus 16.33. The budding rod of Aaron was a symbol of resurrection life. The pot of manna is a symbol of the food of the saints. Now that the blood has been sprinkled on the mercy seat, judgment is passed. The law is satisfied, and as a result, the believer receives eternal life as seen in the rod of Aaron, which came to life from a dead stick. Not only do we receive life, but God makes provision for our sustenance and development and growth in the provision of the manna, the bread of life the word of God, energized by the Holy Spirit. The place of judgment has become the fountain of life. It was so with the ark of Moses, for he passed from death to life by the way of the ark. It was so in Israel, for the place of judgment becomes the place of life. All of it speaks of Calvary, where Christ, our ark, bore the judgment for sin, and we were safe in him. And now we turn to Noah's Ark, where we see all this and more in the story of salvation by God's divine provision. There are numerous details of the typical teaching of the Ark as pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. But first, we want to review briefly the structure of the Ark itself. All of the details for its building were given to Noah by God. God was the architect and Noah was the builder. The plans were made by God, and the blueprints of this wonderful vessel are given to us in detail in Genesis 6. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof, 
with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it genesis 6 13 through 16 the ark therefore was designed by god and must have been perfectly suited to the purpose for which it was built shipbuilders and sailors testify to the balanced proportions of this vessel its size and dimensions being the most scientific and safe and modern shipbuilders still build their ships in the same general relationship of length to breadth and height it was probably a flat bottom ship to give maximum capacity it had no pointed prow for it was built only to float and not to sail it had no rudder for god steered the craft the almighty was the pilot it needed no engine or sail for god was in the ark to guide it it needed no compass for the lord directed its course the ark itself was about 450 feet long 75 feet wide and 45 feet high it had a floor space of over 33,000 square feet on each level and since it had three stories the total floor space would exceed 100,000 square feet since the ceilings were 15 feet high there were in excess of one and a half million cubic feet all this floor space was available to Noah's family and the animals for the food could be easily stored overhead in rooms 15 feet high we only mention these facts to show how utterly foolish and stupid are the objections of the critics who say the ark could not possibly hold or accommodate a pair of all the known animals in the world but they forget one thing it was only necessary for one pair of each species to be in the ark it was not necessary for a pair of every breed subspecies and variety of animal to be there but just one pair of the original species for instance the ark did not contain the hundreds of different breeds and varieties of dogs or cats or pigeons we know that these numerous varieties are all the result of one original pair by mutation crossbreeding selective mating and hybridization an almost infinite number of varieties of dogs cats horses cows and birds can be and were developed but only one original pair was needed for the survival of the species in the ark therefore there was one pair of cats it was not necessary to have the different varieties maltese angora siamese or alley cats it was not necessary for lions or tigers or panthers or bobcats to be in the ark just one pair of pussy cats was sufficient to save the species and all the other members of the cat species were represented the same was true of dogs there was just one pair of dogs in the ark not a pair of each variety such as terrier poodle beagle spaniel or greyhound it was not even necessary for a wolf or dingo or coyote to go into the ark for these were all represented by the one pair of dogs from which all the other breeds and varieties were subsequently developed the same is true of birds also so that by the time you have eliminated all the breeds varieties and subspecies you are left with a surprisingly small number of original parent species which could all be easily and comfortably accommodated in the ark of noah zoologists tell us there are less than 100 original species of quadrupeds four-footed animals and less than 170 original species of birds in a ship with over 100,000 square feet of floor space it could accommodate many times the number of original animals entered into the ark and completely represented a pair of every known species and there would be room enough for them to play and for the birds to fly around no god did not make a mistake when he gave to noah the dimensions of the ark although men have scoffed at the story of the ark and ridiculed the revelation as utterly absurd yet if these critics would use their heads before they open their mouths they would see what fools they were making of themselves 
the higher critics call themselves the intelligentsia and look with pity upon us poor, ignorant, Bible-believing Christians as being dumb and gullible. But surely the wisdom of man is foolishness with God. Imagine a mere man criticizing the blueprint of Almighty God, the creator of the universe, and saying that the great God who designed and planned a universe doesn't know how to build a little boat 450 feet long. Oh, the pathetic, utter stupidity of unbelief. It reminds me of the definition of a higher critic that I heard the late Dr. A.C. Gabaline give. He said, They should be called higher crickets, for they make a lot of noise but are always in the dark. Before we close this chapter, we call attention to the fact that although only eight persons entered the ark, there was room for all who would obey the voice of the Lord. I think we have shown here that there was ample space and room in the ark for all the representative species of animals and birds, together with food for a whole year. There was room also for Noah and his family, and there can be no doubt there was room for more if they had only been willing to come. The people in Noah's day had no excuse. They had had ample warning. They had the light of nature, Romans 1, 19 and 20. They knew the promise of a Redeemer as given in Genesis 3, 15. They had the preaching of Enoch, Jude 14, 15, and the preaching of Noah, 2 Peter 2, 5. And they had the ministry of the Holy Spirit striving with them. This is clear from Genesis 6, 3, where God says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. As it was then, so it is today. Judgment is coming, and you have had ample warning. You, too, have the light of nature. You know your life is uncertain, and one of these days you must stand before God. You, too, have heard the gospel preached, and salvation is offered to you. You, too, have resisted the striving of the Holy Spirit. Why not? Before it is too late, repent and receive the Lord Jesus by faith and be saved, and then trust his promise. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John 1, 12. Hey guys, I hope this has helped you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. But I want to encourage you. Make today the day of salvation. The day that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that you will be saved and you will be in heaven. If you already know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you share this podcast. You share any information that you can to help the lost become found. Hey guys, thank you so much. And until next week, God bless.